0: Welcome back to the Only You Podcast. This is your host, Lo Jackson. This is our second season over here at the Only You. And things are going great. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Thank you for following me. Thank you for giving me five stars over there at Spotify. I do appreciate you all. This month is July, and we're doing Harriet Beecher Stowe. What an interesting person. Quite a talented uh, writer, abolitionist. Um, She actually had a remarkable family, and two of her siblings were also famous writers and abolitionists as well. She started actually writing for money. Um, Her husband's salary as a professor was not large enough. So to help support their growing family, Harriet honestly became a writer. That's when she started writing and it really actually took off because she she used real insight uh, throughout her life during the Civil War Of things that are now gone and we speak no more of you know and people don't talk in the ways they used to back then with uh, more of a British accent but now it's like a southern twang kind of an interesting person and her first works were published in 1843 shortly before the birth of her fifth child um, after which she spent 15 months recovering from exhaustion you know she actually was quite a young lady you know she i think i think her father and her mother wound up having 11 kids and they spent a lot of time around the table you know these kids were involved in pretty much like real lawyer talk and things of the times that were going on so the exposure to actual litigation terminologies and certain things like that as kids brought these kids up to be way talented in the writing area you know she drew ideas from personal experiences um such as part of the re is well it's part of the reason uncle tom's cabin became such a success was the uh pugnancy with which she described the pain of tearing apart families she described it so detailed and hopefully what little bit I did share with you guys you kind of get the gist of the times and the atmosphere and the way that it was going because I stopped right where it started to get really good honestly <clears throat> it's a it's a long read but it is well worth the read um Harriet Beecher Stowe she was a uh, prolific author you know although mainly remembered for Uncle Tom's Cabin I've shared several of Harriet's um 50 years of writing with you during this past month. um, She's done short stories, essays, poems. And thank you guys again for following me. Thank you for sharing me. Such a delight to see people email, people post on my polls when I do have them out there. I appreciate that stuff. This ain't the greatest podcast in the world, but I'm building it. Um, What money I do make from this podcast, I actually put right back into the podcast. Like I bought that microphone. Um, It was from all you listeners, honestly, so hopefully you hear me better and ain't such a, uh, you know, static in the background or whatever it was. This is July, and it is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. Thank you guys for being outstanding citizens. Thank you for being all the wonderful people of the world that do great things out there. You know, all of us go through certain things in life, and... Honestly, we forget to check in sometimes to see, honestly, how we're doing as a human being. You know, are we on board with ourselves? Are we still checked into our lives? Are we showing up where we need to show up? Or are, or is every room in the house a disaster? You know, the lawn needs mowed. It's been needing mowed for three weeks. <laughs> you know, the dogs are doing what their duties, too, in the living room, you know. And I you know that sounds crazy, but I've actually known people that... Um, have done that and have gone through that in life. They actually got really depressed and unfortunately that friend of mine ain't no longer here. He's the reason why I started this podcast and he suffered from rampant mental health issues due to, you know, his drug habits and addictions and stuff and I think that mental health is important. I suffer from mental health issues as well as as everybody else. Fatigue, you know, we all go through procrastination. That's a mental health problem too. You know, those are Certain things we do and habits that we have are actually formed by years and years of doing the same things repetitively and then them having a certain outcome that we didn't expect but was the outcome that the world had in mind due to the biology of everything and the way it goes and the way things are made. And it happens to go sometimes in a negative direction, which in turn makes people have mental health issues, and we need to be aware of schizophrenia, stress disorder, you know, you got to be aware of dementia, um, frontal lobe dysplasia, you know, you could have Lewy body syndrome, you could have uh, a effect, you could have all kinds of different things, you know, with the brain that are crazy. I said pseudobarbara effect, I thought about a cousin of mine. He was 19 years old, and he had gotten into a fight with my uncle because they were living together at my grandma's house at the time, and he left angry that day, and I can see his face in my mind, and he left angry, and honestly, he was doing so many terrible things at the time, That, and he had been getting arrested and getting in trouble and stuff, but, I mean, he was just a lost individual, individual that had some negative upbringing and some really high stresses put on a little kid that made him actually go from being dressed up like a Barbie doll every day to being totally gothic Marilyn Manson doll which that night he left he wound up going to a different town and then almost 9 months later my uncle came inside and he said you guys we need to go to the hospital He said, I just read the paper. He's like, I put two and two together. He said, we've been wondering where he went. Well, now I know. And we went into the hospital. I walked in with him. And there my cousin was with pipes coming out of every orifice, his brain, his head, his eyes. And my cousin was talented. But unfortunately, he decided that he wanted to worship the devil instead of the Lord. And he started actually really doing rituals and running around town trying to get other people to follow him. And maybe other people were actually getting him to follow them. I don't really honestly know. but. He suffered from mental illness so much at that time. Nobody had any idea back in the mid '90s about mental illness. I mean, I'm sure people did, but it wasn't as apparent as it is now. That we got to look out for one another and you got to see signs. It's like when they are training you on a job. You know, you're trained at that thing, and then all of a sudden, you come. Somebody comes along. You see them do something they're not supposed to. Would you tell them they're being unsafe? You know, same difference. I would i like, dude, you're being unsafe. And back then in the 90s, uh, nobody was telling people, hey, you know, you need to be thinking about what you're doing, saying, and being, because you're actually committing to a life you have no idea about that's full of mental illness and dead ends. And unfortunately, sometimes some of us get there and it's too late. But this is the Only You podcast I like to share books, and I like to share authors that I feel are worthy, that they've actually had mental health issues, and they've went through certain things in their lives that all of us go through, even though they were here a 100 years ago telling you certain stories that they had made up, or and some of them are true, and some of their theories are still used today of the people that I have shared with you, but I'm doing this for mental health purposes and for the greater good of information being passed on to other people that maybe they didn't have any idea about. and Maybe it'll change somebody's life. I don't know. I do appreciate you and I love hearing back from you when you chime in on my polls and email me or tell me in person when you see me about my podcast and how silly I am. <laughs> but thank you guys. You know, Harriet Beecher Stowe actually met President Lincoln in 1862. Some 11 years after the publication of Uncle Tom's Cabin, Harriet was involved uh, in a meeting with President Lincoln in Washington, DC. And uh, accounts by her daughter stated that the meeting was quite a joyous occasion. And her son later reported that the president had jokingly referred to Harriet as the little woman who wrote the book that started the Great War. Is that not wild? (laughs) You know, uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin is a wonderful read. You guys need to get out there and check it out, honestly. It'll keep you on the edge of your seat. She was a wild, wild writer, honestly. and Just her brain and the power behind it and the way she put words and theories and situations together made her, I mean, she's so a force to be reckoned with, even today in the writing world. I mean, I'd put her up against Stephen King any day, seriously even though he writes uh, scary books, but whatever. Um, Harriet Beecher Stowe actually campaigned for women's rights um, following the Civil War. Harriet began campaigning the expansion of the rights of married women, especially uh, springing, given the era, she compared the position of a married woman to that of a slave, pointing out that neither could hold property, keep money, or have any legal rights at all. Harriet um, may have contributed to her sister Isabella's strong feelings about women's suffrage. Both women actually lived in Hartford, Connecticut at the time and uh, Isabella continued the fight, eventually succeeding in getting a bill passed that gave property rights to married women. And that was something that, you know, Harriet Beecher Stowe fought for, too, was women's rights, you know, and she was a person and a force to be reckoned with, like I said earlier, because she was just so well-rounded and all of her writings, meetings, teachings, her body language was always on point. I've read in several different places when people would say, hey, she came into a room. It wasn't like hey, you know, she came into a room and nobody's seen her. No, she came into a room and lit it up every time. And it didn't matter who was in the room, if they were poor, rich, or middle class, or what it was. She uh, created an uh, an integrated school. Um, she set up an integrated school in the town of uh, Mandarin, Florida, where her family spent their winters. It was one of the first of the co- in the country that promoted equal education for all students. Um, Harriet's brother Charles strongly believed that education was the key to integration and encouraged her to help him in his endeavors to teach emancipated children and adults. And he actually went on to become quite famous in his writings as well, and that's um, her brother, Charles. Um, She wrote a tourism guide. Harriet loved Florida so much that she wrote a promotional book depicting Florida as an ideal place to vacation, which it is, and if you ever get a chance, go to Destin, Florida. I spent a week there back in 2011, and I remember this little six-year-old came over to me and he said, try this, the sandal whistle between your toes, and he put his little feet together and started scooting his feet back and forth really fast in the sand. And sure enough, it was whistling, so I did it. And sure enough, my feet started going <laughs> in the sand. I couldn't believe it. So I had asked a gentleman that was um, kind of, I think he was a, a lifeguard or something out there, but I asked him, you know, how is it possible? And he said, oh, it's white quartz, so the um, quartz in your feet, actually make a whistling sound because of friction. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Kind of cool. But thank you guys for listening to the Only You podcast. I know I'm annoying sometimes when I get on little tangents like that. But, hey, what's it like to be an inspiring writer? Well, Only You podcast fans, it's hard to put into words. <laughs> Best joke I can come up with. Uh... What's the difference between a freelance writer and a large pizza? A large pizza can actually feed a family of three. (laughs) Now let's get into this latest read by Harriet Beecher Stowe. Thank you, Only You Podcast Fans. This is Old Town Fireside Stories by our favorite author this month, that's Harriet Beecher Stowe. Here it is, The Ghost in the Mill. Come, Sam, tell us a story, said I, as Harry and I crept to his knees in the glow of the bright evening firelight, while Aunt Louise was busily rattling the tea things and Grandmama, at the other end of the fireplace was quietly setting the heel of a blue mixed yarn stocking. In those days, we had no magazines and daily newspapers, each reeling off a serial story. Once a week, the Columbian Centennial came from Boston with its slender stock of news and editorial, but all the multiform devices, pictorial narrative, and poetical, which kept the mind of the present generation ablaze with excitement, had not even an extents. There was no theater, no opera. There were in Old Town no parties or balls except perhaps the annual election or Thanksgiving festival. And when winter came, the sunset went down at half past four o'clock and left the long dark hours of the evening to be pr- provided for. The, necess- the necessity of amusement became urgent. Hence, in those days, chimney-corner storytelling became an art and an accomplishment. Society then was full of traditions and narratives which had all the uncertain glow and shifting mystery of the firelight hearth upon them. They were told to, sympathet- to be sympathetic audiences by the rising and falling light of the solemn embers with the hearth crickets filling up every pause. Then the age told their story to the young. Tales of early life, tales of the war and adventure, of forest days, of Indian captivities and escape of bears and wild cats and panthers and rattlesnakes, of witches and wizards and strange and wonderful dreams and appearances and providences. Can any of you remember telling stories like that when you were kids? I can remember me and my brother would always make up stories in the dark and tell each other before we would go to bed. Those were fun days, fun times, and I'm sure they were for you too. In those days of early Massachusetts, faith and credence were in the very air two-thirds of new england had then darkened unbroken forest through whose tangled paths of mysterious winter wind groaned and shrieked and howled with weird noises and unaccountable clamors along the iron-bound shore the stormful atlantic raved and thundered and dashed its moaning waters as if to deaden and deafen any voice that might tell of the subtle life of the old civilized world and shut us forever unto the wilderness. A good storyteller in those days was always sure of a warm seat at a hearthstone, and the delighted homage of children, and in all Old Town there was no better storyteller than Sam Lawson. "'Do, do, tell us a story,' said, pressing upon him, "'Do, do, tell us a story,' Said Harry, pressing upon him and opening very wide blue eyes in which undoubting faith shone as in a mirror and let it be something strange and different from common. Wall, I know lots of old strange things, said Sam, looking mysteriously into the fire. Why, well, I know things that if I should tell, why, people might say they wasn't so. But then. They is so full, all that. Oh, do do tell us why I should scare you to death, maybe? maybe said Sam doubtingly. Oh, pooh! No, you wouldn't. We both burst out at once. But Sam was possessed by a ret- reticent spirit and loved dearly to be wooed and importuned. And do he only took up the great kitchen tongs and smote on the hickory forestick, when it flew apart in the middle and scattered a shower of clear bright coals all over the hearth. Mercy on us, Sam Lawson," said Aunt Louise in an indignant voice, spinning round from her dishwashing. "Don't you worry a grain, Miss Louise," said Sam. Composedly, see that our stick was in a, even a most in two, and I thought it had just it. i I'll sweep up the coals now, he said, vigorously, applying a turkey wing to the purpose as he knelt on the hearth, his spare lean figure glowing in the blaze of the firelight and getting quite flushed with exertion. There now, he said, when he had brushed over and under and between the fire irons and pursued the retreating ashes so far into the red fiery citadel that his finger ends were burning and tingling. That are done now as well as Hypsis herself could have done it. Allers... Our, sweeps up the hearth I think it's part of the man's business when he fires a fire but Hepsi's so used to, to seeing a doing it, aunt that she don't see no kind of merit in it it's just Parson Luthrop said in his sermon folks always overlook their common mercies "'But come, Sam, that story,' said Harry. "'And I coaxingly pressed upon him "'and pulling him down into his seat in the corner. "'Lord and mercy, these are young'uns,' said Sam. "'There's never no contending on them. "'Ye tell them one story, "'and they just swallows it all up like a dog "'does a jab o meat, "'and they're all ready for another.' What do you want here now? Now the fact was that Sam's story had been told on, excuse me, told us so often that they were all arranged and ticketed in our minds. We knew every word in them and could set him right if we varied a hair from the usual track. And still the interest in them was unabated. Still we shivered and clung to his knee at the mysterious parts and felt gentle, cold chills run down our spines at appropriate places. We were always in the most receptive and sympathetic condition. Tonight, in particular, was one of those thunder and stormy ones when the winds appeared to be holding a perfect mad carnival over my grandfather's house. They yelled and squealed round the corners, they collected in truce and came tumbling and r- roaring down chimney, they took and tattled and buttered door and sink room door and the cellar door and the chamber door in a constant undertone of squeak and clatter as if at every door. We are cold, discontented spirit, tired of the chill outside, and longing for the warmth and comfort within. Wild boys, said Sam confidently, what y'all have, tell us. Come down, come down. We both shouted with one voice. This was in our mind, and A, number one, among Sam's stories. You mustn't be frightened now, said Sam, paternally. And thank you guys again for listening to the Only You Podcast. And hopefully you're enjoying this read by Harriet Beecher Stowe, Fireside. Hopefully you guys are enjoying this wonderful read by Harriet Beecher Stowe. She is our author in the month of July. And here we go. Oh, no, we aren't frightened ever said we both in one breath not when you go down to the cellar arter cider said Sam with severe scrutiny if ye should be down at the cellar the candle should go out now I ain't said I I ain't afraid of anything I never knew what it was to be afraid in my life wall then said Sam, I'll tell you, this is what Captain Eb Salen told me when I was a boy about your bigness, I reckon. Captain Eb Sailin was a most respectable man. Your granther knew him very well. And he was. A deacon in the church in Dedham, afore he died, he was at Lexington when the fu- first gun was fired again the British. He was dreadful smart man. Capt Neb was the driving team a good many years Tween here and Boston. He married Louise Peabody. That was cousin to your Granther. Then, that's grandfather, I'm assuming. Louise was a real sensible woman. And I've heard her tell a story as her told her. her, excuse me, as he told her, and it was just as he told it to me. Just exactly. And I shall never forget it if I live to be 900 years old. You see... Along back then times, there used to be a fellow come around these airports, spring and fall, peddling goods. Had his pack on his back, and his name was Jehiel Lodium. Nobody rightly knew where he'd come from. He wasn't much of a talker, but the woman rather liked him and kind of liked to have him around. Women like, well, excuse me. Women will like some fellows when men can't see no sore reason why they shouldn't. And they like this Through though he was kind of mournful and thin and shade-bellied and had nothing to say for himself. But if it got to be so that the woman would count and calculate so many weeks before "'Twas time for Lodium to be along, "'and they'd make up ginger snaps and preserves and pies "'and make him stay to tea at the houses "'and feed him on the best there was, all, "'excuse me, and feed him up on the best there was. "'And the story went round, "'and he was courting Phoebe Ann Parker, "'and Phoebe Ann was courting him. "'Folks didn't rightly know which. While well, all of a sudden, Lodium stopped coming around, and nobody knew why, only just he didn't come. It turned out that Phoebe Ann Parker had got a letter from him saying he'd be along afore Thanksgiving, but he didn't come, neither afore, nor at Thanksgiving time, nor Arthur, nor next spring. And finally, the women then, again, up looking for him, some said he was dead, and some said he was gone to Canada, and some said he'd gone over to the old country Wow, as the, as to Phoebe Ann, she ain't like gals since married by Moss and thought no more about it. She took the right view on and said she was certain that all things was ordered out for the best and was just as well folks couldn't always have their own way. And so in time, Lodium was gone our old folks' minds, which as a last year's apple blossom. It's really affecting to think how little these ere folks is missing that's so much sought by. There ain't nobody if these ever so important, but what the world gets to going and with them, without them pretty much as it did with them though there's some little flurry at first while the last thing that was in anybody's mind was that they ever should hear from Lodium again but there ain't nothing but what has its time oh turning up and it seems his turn was to come well you see towards the 19th of March when Captain Neb Sawin' started with a team from Boston. And Captain Ebb Sawin, yeah, he started with that team there to Boston that day. And there come by the biggest snowstorm that there had been in them parts since the oldest man could remember. It was this irrefined sifting snow that drives in your face like needles with the wind that cut your nose off and made teaming pretty tedious work. Captain Eb was about the toughest man them parts. He spent days in the woods logging, and been up to the district o' main lumberin', and was about up to any sort of thing a man generally could be up to. All these here March winds sometimes does set on a fellow soul that neither nature nor grace can stand them. The captain used to say he could stand any wind blew one weight, time for five minutes but come to the winds that blew all four pence at the same minute why they fluster him and hey audience members you can tell by the dialect in this book it's actually very hard to read and um speak if you're not aware or around it all the time you know this type of dialect While that was a sore of weather, it was all day. And by sundown, Captain Ebb, he got clean bewildered so that he lost his road. And when night come, he didn't know nothing where he was. You see, the country was all under drift and the air so thick with snow that he couldn't see a foot afore him. And the fact was, he got off the Boston Road without even knowing it. And came out at a pair of old bars nay upon Sherburn sure where old Cat bear's mill is. Your grandfather used to know old Cack O'Cack old Boys. He was dreadful drinking old critter that lived there all alone in the woods by himself, a tinnin' saw and grissin' mill. He wasn't always just what he was then. Time that Cack was a pretty considerably likely young man, and his wife was a very respectable woman, Deacon Amos Pentgale's dater from Sherburne. But you see, the year after his wife died, Cack he got up going to meeting Sundays and all the tithing men and select men could do, they couldn't get him out to meeting. And when a man neglects means, oh, grace, and sanctuary privileges, there ain't no saying what he'll do next. Why, boys, just think on it. An immoral critter lying around loose all day Sunday and not putting on so much as a clean shirt. When all spectable folks has on their best clothes and is to meet and worship in the Lord. What can you expect to come of when he lies idling around in his old weekday clothes fishing or some such? But what the devils should be after him at last as he was after old crack. And like the Bible says, "Idle hands of the devil's workshop." Everybody, and that's what he's getting at in this part of the story, or she is at the, in this part of the story. Here, Sam winked impressively to my grandfather in the opposite corner to call his attention to the moral which he was interweaving with his narrative. While ye see, Captain Eb, he told me that when he come them bars and looked up and saw. The dark o coming down and the storm a thickening up. He felt that things was getting pretty considerable serious. There was a dark piece of woods on ahead of him inside the bars, and he knew come to getting there, the light would give out clean. So he just thought he'd take the hoss out of the team and go ahead a little and see where he was. So he'd drive his oxen up again, the fence and took out the horse and got on him and pushed along through the woods, not rightly knowing where he was going. Wow, afore long he see a light through the trees. Sure enough, he come out to Cack Sparrow's old mill. It was a pretty considerable gloomy sort of place. That uh, old mill was. There there was a great fall of water that come rushing down the rocks and fell into a deep pool and it sounded so wild and lonesome. But Captain Ebb, he knocked on the door with his whip, whipple hand and got in. There to be sure saw old Cack beside a great blazing fire and his rum jug at his elbow. He was a dreadful fellow to drink, Cack was, for all that... There was some good in him, for he was pleasant spoken and obliging, and he made the captain welcome. You see, Cack said, Captain Ebb, I'm off my road and I got snowed up down by your bars, says he. Want to know, says Cack? Calculate you'll just have to camp down here till morning, says he. Wow so old Cackie got out his tin lantern and went with Captain Ed back to the bar to help him fetch along his critters. He told him he could put them under the mill shed, so they got the critters up to the shed and got the cart under, and by that time the storm was awful. But Cackie made a great roaring fire, cause you see Cack always had slab wood plenty. With his meal and a roar of fire is just so much company. It sort of keeps a fella's spirit up, a, a good fire does. So Cack, he sat on his old tea kettle and made a swiggling, lot old toddy and he and Captain Ebb were having a tolerable, comfortable time there. Cack was a pretty good hand to tell stories and Captain Eb not no way backward in that line and he kept up. his in pretty well and pretty soon. they was a roaring and a howling inside about as loud as a storm outside. When all of a sudden about midnight, there come a loud rap on the door. Hopefully everybody's enjoying old town Fireside Stories by Miss Harriet Beecher Stowe. Well, wow, says old Cack, if tis the devil, we'd just as good as open and have it out with him to aunt, says he. And so he got up and opened the door and sure enough, there was old Kirchie there. Expect... You'd heard old grandma tell about old Kerchy. She used to come to meetin' sometimes and her husband was one of oh, the praying the Indians, but Kerchy was one of the raw wild sort. And you couldn't no more convert her than could convert a wild cat or a painter, panther. Lordy, Massy, Kerchy used to come to meetin' and sitting there on them Indian benches. And when the second bell was tolling, and when Parson Larthrop and his wife was coming up the broad aisle, and everybody in the house rise up and stood, Kurtry was would sit there and look at them out the corner of her eyes, and folks used to say she rattled them necklaces old rattlesnake tails and wild cat teeth and sits like heathen trumpery and looking for all the world as if it the spirit of the old serpent himself was in her. I've seen her sit and look at uh, Lady Lothrop out of her corner of her eyes and her old brown baggy neck would kinda twist and work and her eyes, they looked so that twas enough to scare a body. For all the world, she looked just as if she was a-working up a spring at her. Lady Lorthrop was just a kind to Kerchery, as she she always was to every poor critter. She'd bow and smile graciously to her when meeting was over, and she'd come down the aisle, passing out a meeting, but Kerchery never took no notice. You see, Kerchery's father was one of them great powwows down to Martha's Vineyard and people used to say she was set apart when she was a child to the Sarvice, so the devil. Anyway, she never could be made nothing of in a Christian way. She come down to Parson Larthrop's study once or twice to be cashized, but he couldn't get a word out of her and she kind of seemed to sit scornful while he was talking. Folks said, if it was in old times, Curtry wouldn't have been allowed to go on so, but Parson Lorthrup's so sort of mild, he let her take pretty much her own way. Everybody thought that Curtry was a witch. At least she knew considerable more than she ought to know. And so they was kind of afraid on her. Captain Neb says he never see a fella seem scarter than Cack did when he see Kertria standing there. Why, you see, boys, she was a withered and wrinkled and brown as an old frosted pumpkin vine. And her little sneaky eyes sparkled and snapped, and it made it ye head kinda dizzy to look at him and folks used to say that anybody that Kertry got mad at was sure to get the worst of it first and last and so no matter what day or hour Kirtree had a mind to rap at anybody's door folks generally thought it was best to let her in but then they never thought her coming was for any good for she was just like the wind she came when fit was on her she Stayed just long as it pleased her, and went when she got ready, and not before. Kerchery understood English and could talk it well enough, but always seemed to scorn it, and was ailer's moe win and muttering to herself in an Indian and winking and blinking as if she saw more folks round than you did, as that she wasn't no way pleasant company, and yet everybody took good care to be polite to her. So old Cack asked her to come in and didn't make no question where she come from, on what she come on, but he knew it was 12 good miles from where she lived to his hut, and the snow was adriftin' above her middle, and Captain Ed declared that there wasn't no track, nor sign no track, of anybody's coming through that snow next morning. How did she get there then, said I. Did he never see brown leaves riding on the wind? Well, Captain Nebby says, she came on the wind and I'm sure it was strong enough to fetch her, but Cackie got her down into the warm corner and he poured her out a mug, oh hot toddy, and give her. But you see her being there sort of stopped the conversation for she saw there a rocking back, backwards and forwards, a sipping, her toddy, and a murmurin' and looking up chimney. Captain Neb said in all his born days, he never heard such screeches and yells as the wind give over that chimney. And old Cat got so frightened, you could fairly hear his teeth a chattering. But old Captain Neb, he was a pretty brave man. He wasn't going to have conversation stopped by no woman, witch, or no witch. And so, when he see her murmuring and looking up chimney, he spoke up and says, hey, well, Curtry, what do you see? Says he, come out with it. Don't keep it to yourself. You see, Captain Eb was a hardy old fella. And then, he was a little warmed up with the (laughs) tiny. So, Captain Ev, he was a little drunk. Hopefully you guys are enjoying this uh, great read. Yeah, I I came across this, and this is one of the best ones i found, old-time fireside stories. Thank you for listening to the Only You podcast. Again, you guys, head over to Spotify. Give me a five-star review. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for sharing me with a friend. I do appreciate the audience increase. I have seen it. That is cool. And I think I had one five-star review, so it's going down. We just became best friends, whoever you are that put that out there. I know it was you, Oh, magic fingers. <laughs> you guys, thank you so much again. And hopefully you're enjoying Harriet. Uh, Beecher Stowe and this is July this is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month so if you see anybody out there that's a minority and they're acting a little funny a little crazy you know maybe they're actually mentally ill maybe they're going through something that you have no idea about maybe they're depressed maybe they suffer from autism maybe they don't have the funds that they need to get the medicine or medications you know if you have a friend it's a doctor that's willing to do side work you know because doctors can You know, doctors can do what they want to. They don't have to just go through their practice, you know. I know plenty of people out there that, you know, use friends as doctors to get more of a diagnosis than you can get from going to a doctor that sees 50 people a day get you in and out as fast as you can because... You know, we're addicted to medical in America. Insurance is everything here because it's a huge moneymaker. And they they care more about you making your insurance payment than them paying for, you know, your open heart surgery. So at the end of the day, you know, you got to weigh your odds and options. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed Old Town Fireside Stories you hopefully you'll run out there and check this book out by Harriet Beecher Stowe you know it is a great read it was published in 18, 1872 and there's more to this story that was just the beginning of it and i like to share the beginning of stories with you guys because it's not on me to read you the whole story I kind of like oh yeah that'd be great if i did that but then again it would not be encouraging somebody to better themselves and become something more because if you're not um putting in the effort you're just going to procrastinate and not do it you know like uh, Mel Robbins says if you don't do it within the first five seconds you're probably not going to Your mind gets lazy and things take over and you forget what you're doing and all that good stuff. But, again, thank you guys so much for sharing me. This has been awesome. It's been a great day. It's been a great weekend, honestly. It's beautiful here in Illinois. Charleston, Illinois, Mattoon, Illinois, just the central southern Illinois, even down south to southern Illinois. It's a great, beautiful area, especially with all the valleys and gorges. You can see where the glaciers, like, cut through... You know, the sight of all this rock that's here in the limestone and all the slate and different types of rocks that are in Illinois. It's a beautiful time of year here. All the crops are full grown. The the corn's 12 feet tall. You know, we're going to have a great season this year. We were thinking it was going to be a drought, which, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's still kind of a drought year. But we've had a lot of good rains here lately, and that's important to feed the world because that's what we do here in America. We help feed the world, as in Mexico does, too. I once seen a map, and it was like a uh, pretty much a heat sink map of where all the foods are grown in the world. And the United States and Mexico were so lit up, and all the other places in the world were very dim in color. It was pretty interesting. But thank you guys again for listening, thank you for reading and thank you for being aware of minority mental health awareness month and again, I do appreciate each and every one of you and hopefully you can reach one teach one and go out there and change somebody's life. One little kind step of the way you every day that you go out, you you know you're out there to put yourself out there to be kind to somebody. You know, not everything has to be division and closed off like The systems and the news and the TV has done to us. I can remember a time when it was okay to have a friend over for supper and your friend loved being around your family because sometimes as a kid when you sit around the table and you see other people's families interact and you learn all these different things, they grow up and they actually do that same thing with their kids. Maybe they didn't do that stuff at home. Maybe they had a parent that worked odd shifts and their mom worked odd shifts or whatever, but children like sponges and they will absorb many different things that you bring around them and some of those things you don't want them to absorb but they will and in time they'll come out as they always do again thank you guys for following and listening i do appreciate it and it's been a great read and hopefully you'll rush out there and pick up old town fireside stories by harriet beecher stowe and This month coming up is gonna be an exciting month, August, I cannot wait, and that's just around the corner. And hopefully you've enjoyed Harriet Beecher Stowe this month. I had done Leo Tolstoy, Mark Twain before. I did um, William James, Pragmatism, what a great guy. What a wonderful mind. I've done so many different podcasts here um, in the past that I've learned so many different things about so many different authors. I've actually tried to reach out to some authors and you know uh, get them to um, respond, but it's actually very hard to get an author to respond to you. And so far this season, I've done the power of positive thinking by Dr. Vincent uh, Peel. I did the Prophet by Killian uh, Gabron. How to Stop Worrying and Start Living by Dale Carnegie. That's an awesome read, and you should reread that one. I did The Interpretation of Dreams by Sigmund Freud. Animal Farm by George Orwell, which that book has a lot to pertain to what's going on in the United States right now, honestly. I did The Art of War by Sun Tuzu which, if you have never read The Art of War, get out there and get that book. It will change your life. I did You Can Analyze Handwriting by Eric Holder, and I found that one to be really unique because it can tell you a lot about a person's handwriting and what they're thinking and feeling at the time they sign certain things. I did The Mind and the Brain by Alfred Bennett, The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith, and Adam Smith is one of the best writers I've ever... I'm thinking about doing him... Um, in the coming months as one of the monthly authors because Adam Smith was really important in the United States and just for America overall. I did Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. If you don't know who Victor Frankl is, he was a Holocaust survivor. And and A Man's Search for Meaning, it is so deep. The intricacy that Victor Frankl puts into, you know, the life living as a holocaust survivor it's wild you know because he was a psychologist and a doctor he was very very educated over there i did the conduct of life by ralph waldo emerson pushing to the front by orson martin i love this one this is one of my favorite books i've ever read and that's games people play by eric byrne and that's where i get the fog from fear obligation and guilt that was actually something that Eric Byrne had made up as a psychologist and used throughout his time and studied criminal psychology by Hans Gross he's the founding father of um, criminal profiling and I did the Kabbalion by William Walker Atkinson the art of money getting Um, that was a good one I I really enjoyed doing P.T. Barnum, he was an interesting guy, Phineas Taylor. Hopefully you've picked up some of these books that I've kind of introduced you to, or maybe you actually knew about them and forgot about them, because sometimes I come across books that I didn't realize I had already read, then I'm like, oh man, I remember reading that 20 years ago, duh. but. This is the end of this wonderful read. I do love Harriet Beecher Stowe. She's one of my favorite authors and old town fireside stories. There's a bunch of different great stories in there. So hopefully everybody out there will check it out, read it, maybe learn some stuff and pass it on again. Thanks a lot. And this is the only you podcast. And this is your host, Lo Jackson, and I will be coming to you soon with another great read by Harriet Beecher Stowe.